This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Scalarsip, and it is Tuesday. It is the day before the U.S. men's national team plays host to Costa Rica in Columbus, Ohio. And we're two days away now, two days ahead from what was a truly forgettable, disappointing, and all-around ugly 1-0 loss to Panama down in Panama. The first time the Americans had ever lost in Panama and the first time the United States had ever lost in World Cup qualifying to Panama. So pretty much a historic defeat and the kind of game you don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about and remembering. But again, we have to look back because this is how we learn and this is how we think about what comes next. And the good news is there's another game coming up and it's going to be a different U.S. team because it's definitely not going to be the lineup that we saw against Panama. And that's the first thing we have to discuss is that 1-0 loss. And we all knew squad rotation was going to be a part of this window, right? With the three matches and seven days, it was just you, you were going to see changes. You were going to see roster moves, lineup moves. But I don't think anyone was expecting just how drastic and how dramatic a shakeup we would see in the lineup that took on Panama. And that starts with sitting Ricardo Pepe, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, Maz Robinson. Arguably the four most informed players for the United States in terms of recent qualifiers. And especially when you think about Ricardo Pepe and Tyler Adams coming off relatively early in the match against Jamaica. When you see that, you're thinking, okay, great. They're rested. They'll be ready to go against Panama. But obviously, Burhalter and his coaching staff was looking at the at the readings. They were looking at their fitness levels and obviously the workloads. And they decided, you know what, we need to sit these guys. And I understand, I can understand individually any one of those. Any one of those you can kind of see, okay, you know, all right, Ricardo Pibby's played a ton. You don't want him to get hurt. Uh, you want, you know, you save him for the next game. But when you start doing that as many, in, in as many instances and with as many players as Burhalter ended up doing, you're really setting yourself self up for disappointment. And obviously there was talk about, did, did he overlook Panama or did he take Panama for granted? And honestly, I don't, I don't see that being the case so much as him being overconfident in his bench and believing a little too much in his bench and potentially being a little concerned with injuries and concerned with wearing guys out. Because, you know, it was only a, a window ago where Christian Pulisic and Giorena both were injured. And that kept that kept him out the entire month between windows and made and they're not available here in October. So I'm sure that has to be playing into things for him in terms of decisions, how Greg Berhalter is looking at his lineup choices and the workloads of some of his players. So is that making him overly cautious? That's kind of the question that I have, because, again, if he had only, if he had stuck with any of the, those other players or if he had stuck with most of those other players and he sits up happy. You can kind of understand that in a vacuum, in an isolated situation, you want to rest the guy. Or if he had just decided to sit Tyler Adams, or just decided to sit Brendan Harrison, or just decided to sit Miles Robinson. I could understand any of those on an individual basis. When you do them all, it's a gamble, and it's not great odds, because it's enough to sit your informed striker. It's enough to sit your center back, who has been so consistent for so many games. It's a bit of a risk, obviously, with a player who's generating goals and assists like Brendan Aronson. Every one of those. Is a gamble. I mean, it's kind of like a, a parlay, right? Parlays. If you do a two-team parlay, you know, decent odds if you like the two games. Three-team parlay, I mean, go for it. Once you start getting a four or five-team parlays, to be able to run that table, to be able to hit on all four or five, it's just, it's not realistic. And in this case, getting away from the, the, the betting analogy, 
you have to ask yourself about chemistry and you have to ask yourself about the team you're putting out there and how that team is going to play together, how that team is going to respond and how a team with so many of its top players missing, how, what, who are they going to turn to? How, how are they going to click? And it just didn't come off. It just did not come off. And Berhalter said, look, put, you know, put it on me. And yes, everyone's putting it on him as they should. And it shouldn't be all on him. It's It should be on him and it should be on some players. Because when it comes down to it, if you're a player, you get your opportunity. You have to make the most of it. And you can definitely argue that, well, they're not necessarily put in a position to succeed when there's so many changes and so many top players missing, right? So you have to kind of look at that when considering some of the disappointing performances. Uh, for me, the one that stands out, Tim Weah. Tim Weah is a player who... You know, I, I think if you put him in a lineup with Serginio Dest, Ricardo Pepe, Brendan Aronson, Weston McKinney, you put him in lineup in a lineup with, with that group of players, and you're going to see him really do his thing. But you know, against Panama and that group of players, as flat as they looked, it just it wasn't going to happen for him. So I, he happened. He's one of the few. I'd say he's one of the few players who disappointed against Panama but who I would give another chance against Costa Rica. And we'll talk about Costa Rica and the lineup we could see there. But I did want to kind of dig into this uh, U.S.-Panama game because it was just, you name it, it went wrong. And obviously the knives are out. And there's all, you know, a lot of talk about Berhalter and, and you know, should he go? And is, see, this is proof he's in over his head. I mean, I, all of that stuff was going to be expected when you had a flat performance. And, and he deserves some blame. He deserves a lot of blame because he, at the end of the day, chose the lineup. He, at the end of the day, sat all of these top players, informed players. And in some cases, yeah, you, you probably had to. And some, you know, Serginho Dest, is he injured? Uh, obviously, Weston McKinney had a knock and they didn't even bring him to Panama. So some of them you can kind of explain away. But when you get this many and this many decisions that were in his hands and he and he got it this wrong, he has to shoulder the blame. Am I going to sit there and say, OK, this is proof that he is not the guy? Fire him? No, I'm not there yet. I'm not I'm not that reactionary. But obviously, I know some people who never bought Berhalter as a coach and who never believed that he was the right guy are obviously going to look at this as evidence that they were right and evidence that Greg Berhalter is not the man for the job. But as he noted on Tuesday, wait until Wednesday and you get a full picture of the window to get to, to really kind of measure the success of the window. And the reason he said that and the reason is obviously he, when he planned this thing out, when he planned out Sunday, clearly he planned it out with, we can get three points at home. We can go go to Columbus, get our three points. What kind of lineup can we put out against Panama to get ourselves a point? And I know some people say, hey, how do you play for a point? Why are you playing for a point? Why are you going down to Panama and playing for a point? And I get that if it's just one game. If, you're, if, you're, if it's a one-off, that makes no sense. Or even if it's a two-game window. I can totally understand. But when you're in a three-game window, three games in seven days, you have to figure it out. You have to weigh your options. You have to weigh what's the best way to get the the most points out of the window. And as much as some people might think, oh, just play the same 11 all three games, that's not reality. Because number one, it's not, it, without fail, people are going to be tired, too tired, and it could set you up for, for failure in multiple matches. I mean, we saw some players who played in the Jamaica game who played against Panama who were clearly physically struggling. Paul Ariola struggling. Although I agree, I, I agree that he shouldn't have started in this game. Walker Zimmerman, who was great against Jamaica, physically struggled against Panama. So it, it, it's just not realistic that you were going to have no rotation. But 
there is something to be said for should he have kept more of those top players, some of those more more of those informed players in the lineup. And I think that's that's completely fair. Um, and again, we don't get to see everything. We don't get to see how they look in training. We don't get to see the fitness testing and and how they're measuring up as players. And in some cases, you can kind of tell that something's up, and you can kind of tell that maybe a player needs a break. Uh, Miles Robinson, case in point, against Jamaica, he did not look his dominant self. He did not look up up to the high level that we've we've come to expect from Miles Robinson. Now, did he have a bad game? No, but it wasn't his level. So you kind of could see the writing on the wall there, right? Brendan Aronson, I thought he looked great against Jamaica. I saw very little there to tell me that he shouldn't play in the next game. Tyler Adams, I understand with Tyler Adams, there's an injury concern always. Uh, he hadn't been playing a ton. He had sat a couple of games before this window. So, in, again, individually, you could kind of see some of these. But as a coach, you have to look at it as a big from a big picture standpoint as well and decide, okay, how do we want to do this? Do we want to go full strength team against Panama and and have a, 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 a rested or a, a rotated team against Costa Rica at home? Or do you want to have a really strong team at home for that third game and set yourself up for six points? Hope to get a seventh point in Panama. Obviously, that didn't happen. So I understand it on some level, but I just think it was too much. I think he it was too much squad rotation. There's no way I would have sat all those players. But again, we don't see everything. We don't see the testing. We don't see the numbers in terms of behind the scenes. That being said, it still felt like a gamble and clearly it didn't pay off. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know how much I really want to talk about this Panama game because it was just it was just one to forget. It really was. And just to kind of run it down real quick, Jossie's artist, it, it, he obviously it looks like he had got his head on the goal, on the own goal. Was it an own goal? It was it was credited to Anibal Godoy. I, I'll say this about Jossie's artist. He is not a player who's going to make things happen on his own. Not at all. Uh, and you saw that. You saw that the, the midfield was horrible. That's what it comes out to. The midfield was horrible, and that set up the, the front three to struggle because none of the front three really was in a position to, to, to make things happen. Tim Weah was a surprising one, but again, you have the field conditions. You had the rest of the team not necessarily playing well, and it just didn't suit him well. Paul Ariola looked tired. He shouldn't have been playing. I don't understand how he was – because, look, he gave his all against Jamaica. He gave you a 90 minutes where he left it all on the field, and I thought he played great against Jamaica. But when at the end of that game against Jamaica, I thought to myself, there's no way, no way Paul Ariola starts against Panama with everything that he just gave against Jamaica on three on two, three days rest that he's going to turn around and start in Panama. I, I just never saw that. So I think that that was a that was a bit of a mistake. But as far as Jossie's artist goes, is should he start ahead of Ricardo Pepe? No, absolutely not. But you put him on a team with the full strength attack in terms of Brendan Aronson, in terms of Weston McKinney, Serginho Dest, I, I think he's someone who can make more things happen. So I'm not ready to write him off completely. I know some people are done with him. Some people are done with him. And that's something I'm going to say with, with a few of these guys, right? Because there's a lot of players who did not play well. Sebastian Legette did not play well. Kellen Acosta did not play well. And I know people are looking to just say, you know what, that's it for these guys. They should never see the field again. I think that's a little extreme. But uh, what I will say is, those players can do a job playing in a strong team. And if if you have your other pieces, if you have Reyna, if you have Pulisic, if you have Pepe Aronson, McKinney, Dest, when you have those players for the most part, and then you have maybe one position you need to fill and you have a game where you need to put someone in, yes, 
Kellen Acosta can do a job. Sebastian Legette can do a job. Jossie Zardes can do a job. But you cannot, I, I, and I, I don't know how else to say this, you cannot put all those players together and expect them to make it happen because it's not it's just not going to happen not against any sort of uh, a good level opponent and you know kind of the analogy that comes to mind and I don't want to you know do spoilers here on Ted Lasso but there was a scene in Ted Lasso where Ted changed an ingredient in his biscuit recipe right he switched the sugar for the salt by accident right and guess what it turned out to apparently still be okay it turned out to be sneaky good right so you can change one ingredient in a recipe and it could still work. But once you start changing too many, you're messing with the recipe and it's more than likely going to be terrible. And that's really what it came down to. And that's why for me, I still think some of these guys can be an ingredient when you need an ingredient to fill in when you're when you're out of, you know, when you're out of something else. That's a that's a key ingredient and you need to you need a replacement. Fine. But you don't put them all in together. You just don't. And that's what he did. And I'm sure he, it was a look. It was a gamble. And it, and it didn't pay off. And here's hoping we never see that situation again. The only in, the only instance that that should ever happen, and knock on wood, this never happens, is if you have just a absolute rash of injuries where you're missing, you know, a half dozen or more of your best players. In that situation, yes, you absolutely have to do what you what you have to do. But you don't force your own situation by choosing to rest your most informed players, especially when you're already missing uh, Weston McKinney, who didn't make the trip. Uh, Christian Pulisic, Giorena, who were are not available here in October. You just don't do it. You don't do it to yourself when you're already facing so much adversity in terms of squad selection. Now get off the soapbox here and get, get into the Costa Rica match. And I know right now there's a lot of nervous people. There's a lot of people worried, especially when you consider the last time the U.S. played Costa Rica at home. I was there. It was a Red Bull Arena. And going into that game, there was a lot of confidence. Going into that game, you were looking at this Costa Rica team, and you're kind of like, eh, they should beat this team. This shouldn't be a problem. And guess what? The, U- the U.S. lost. Not only did they lose, but Costa Rica really kind of handed to, to to the U.S. that day. Yeah, it was shocking, to be honest. And, you know, Marco Ureña scores. I mean, who had that happening? It was just an ugly, ugly scene. And if anything, that should definitely have people – understanding that you can't take anything for granted. You can't. As much as this is an aging Costa Rica team, as much as it doesn't have the attacking threats of some other teams in the region, they still have a chance. They still have a puncher's chance. They still have Kaylor Navas in goal. And we've already seen so far in qualifying, Kaylor Navas is who he is. He's the man. He's still, he's that guy. It's not like he's just living on some hype that, that he hasn't earned. He is that good. And we've seen it in World Cup qualifying. We saw it. Obviously, they just played. They just won. And he helped preserve the victory for that for them. And then the game before that, he made a big sa- made big saves as well. So he's locked in. It's going to take a lot to to beat Kaylor Navas, and just that alone should should you know have uh, obviously U.S. fans a little nervous because you know what when you have a hot goalkeeper like that anything is possible. What I will say is though, a lot of the players who are missing against Panama or who didn't start against Panama should be available against Costa Rica, and it should be a closer to full strength team on Wednesday in Columbus. And I feel pretty good about that team. And, you know, no offense to Costa Rica. You know, they still have some wily veterans who's, who have a lot of experience and a lot of skill. When you talk about Brian Ruiz and Celso Borges. And, and, and again, Panama was an experienced team. And people kind of wrote it off. And I'll be the first to say, look, I know I said it. I wasn't sold on Panama. 
because they didn't have the star power. But I'm going to give Thomas Christensen, the Panama manager, a lot of credit because he's really taken that collection of role players and gotten them to play well together. And it, it's a gamble. It was a gamble on his part to stick with the, the same players for so many games and, and risk wearing them out. And it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. And I guess if you're going to have, if you're going to work with a team that you, that you're just going to play game in and game out, it's going to be a veteran team, a team that's going to be able to manage that kind of workload. And that's what you have with Panama. They don't have the stars, but they have a collective that's playing well as a group. And it's playing above their, their talent level, I would say. And, you know, as far as Costa Rica goes, I don't know if I see the same kind of collective unity from them as much as they are. Or they are also an older team. They're an even even older team, I would argue, uh, than Panama. So on paper, again, on paper, the U.S. should win against Costa Rica with closer to a full strength team. Obviously, you get Pepe back. You get Aronson back. Uh, Miles Robinson rested. Tyler Adams rested. Uh, it's going to be a better team. And hopefully Serginho Desk can go. Hopefully Anthony Robinson can go. There was some question about a knee issue that he's dealing with. Anthony Robinson and Weston McKinney still have to go through some some testing to see if they're all good to go on Wednesday. But let's just say they're going to go. And that's a different team. That's a much better team. And, uh, you know, I think when you if they're able to put that kind of team out there with McKinney, Dest, Aronson, Pepe, Adams, Weah, I'd give Weah another chance. Um, and hey, Julian Luca Busio. I think Julian Luca Busio deserves a chance. I, again, we're not seeing training. We don't know the levels in training. We don't know is he struggling in training? Is he not fitting into the system? I don't know any of that. But what I do know is he's been playing very well in Serie A with a lot of confidence. He is a better player now than he was in the Gold Cup when he was actually when he was getting games in the Gold Cup. So I think he deserves the opportunity. But again, we don't see training. We don't know. But if it's me, I'm putting him on the field. I know a lot of people are on the Luca Della Tour hype train, and I'm not about to, you know, I'll wait till after this 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 Costa Rica game to get into that a little bit. But I, I do find it a little interesting how just how this has kind of become this whole phenomenon of 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 people referencing Della Tour as he should be the guy or he is the answer. There is a big Della Tour fan club, and I, for the life of me, can't understand how this has happened. And I mean, I I get it, but I don't think it's through the normal means in terms of uh you know what how a player becomes a beloved, a beloved player. And Delator has just become kind of a poster child for the idea of someone who isn't legit, Acosta, Christian Roldan. I get all that. But for me, if you're talking about this Costa Rica game, I personally wouldn't start Delator. Maybe bring him on uh, as a substitute. I'm talking Busio. Busio is the guy. I think he should get a chance. And the other player who I, who I would like to see get a chance is Chris Richards. And he hasn't played yet in these qualifiers. Mark McKenzie did not look great against Panama. He looked like a player who isn't playing much. He's not playing much for his club team. I know he's had some big games under his belt for the national team. He played the Nations League semis and final. He played the started in Honduras and, and played well in that game. So he, he's got some games under his belt. I get that. But he hasn't been playing for his club. He's, he's at Genk in, the, in Belgium. He's, and he's been on the bench a lot. He's got, I think he's played two games in the past month. Chris Richards is playing week in and week out, starting playing at a high level in the Bundesliga. So I, I get maybe he doesn't have the same level of experience and uh, familiarity with the group here with the, with the men's national team. But he is, like, I'm sorry, I just think he's the future of the position. And when you look at how he plays in the Bundesliga, you kind of ask yourself, well, how in the world can he not get on the field? And I think this should be his opportunity. I think Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, that's a center back tandem I want to see. I want to see them play together. We'll see if Berhalter feels the same way. And again, as I, I said before, we aren't in training. 
We aren't watching training. We don't know who's struggling. We don't know who's not adapting to the system, who's not fitting in. We don't know any of that stuff. What we do know is how well some of these players who are, especially the players who are playing in high-level leagues, we know we can watch them play. We can, I can watch Gianluca Busio play week in and week out for Venezia. We can watch the Bundesliga. All the Bundesliga games are available on ESPN+. We can watch Hoffenheim. Every single game and you can watch Richards develop and you can see a player who is clearly maturing, who's clearly gaining confidence and has earned. And you know what? I don't see how you don't get him on the field. So I'd like to see Busio and Richards. I think a lot of people would like to see them. But again, it comes down to what we're, what Berhalter seeing in training, how those guys stack up against some of these other options. But above all, we are going to see a very different looking lineup for the U.S. against Costa Rica. And it should be a team that's more dynamic that has more energy, uh, that just has more talent top to bottom. And I know I know Burhalter was a little careful not to throw his team under the bus that he put out there against Panama because at the end of the day it was him who put him out there. It wasn't they didn't say, hey look, I want to play, put me in. They didn't demand to play. He chose to play them and they didn't get the job done. So that's on him. So I can understand why he he, he doesn't want them to, to to kind of feel that heat. But when it comes down to it, we are going to see a much different squad. And I think we're going to see the type. Hopefully, we're going to see the type of team that can take care of business at home, get the three points. And guess what? If the U.S. beats Costa Rica, all is right with the world. Because Panama plays Canada. And if the U.S. wins, no matter what else happens, the U.S. will have a four-point cushion. Uh, on the bottom, uh, on the above the qualification line, they will have a four point cushion on whoever is in fourth place, no matter the results, because of the other matchups that are taking place. And that that gap could be even bigger depending on on what happens. So, the U.S. wins; they're sitting relatively comfortably in the top three, which is where you want to be for qualifying out of Concacaf for the World Cup. It's, and you're going to want that cushion because guess who you play next? You play Mexico, and that's always going to be a tough one. And Mexico is locked in. Mexico is playing great. They, they, It's all come together for them. They obviously overcame the injuries in September when they were missing so many key players between, you know, uh, Irving Lozano, Hector Herrera, Raul Jimenez had not come back yet. Guess what? They're all back now. And yes, they had a tough time against Canada. Canada gave them all they could handle in the first game, but they rebounded. They got the three points against Honduras. Now they play El Salvador. You have to like their chances against El Salvador. And Mexico is in first place comfortably in the octagonal. And it's going to be hard to take them off that perch because they have gotten off to a good start. They're locked in now. They're figuring some things out defensively. Cesar Montes is is looking like the guy in terms of center back that they've been looking for. They've been looking for some new blood in in central defense, and he really looks like he could be the answer there. So, you know, it's coming together well for Mexico. And I know there was a time not too long ago when people were talking about, oh, finishing first in the octagonal and trying to be seeded for the World Cup and getting ahead of yourselves a little bit. Right. Because it's like, uh, hello, you got to qualify first. So maybe don't think about the top eight seeds yet. You think about qualifying. And that's really what it what it comes down to. No one should be surprised that the octagonal has turned into the roller coaster that it's becoming because it is going to be a battle. And I mean, look at Canada. Canada's a perfect example. As good as they are. As, as tough, as much talent as they have, and then they go get the result in Mexico, they get that point, and they turn around and drop points. And that just shows you how tough it is going to be for everybody. And Mexico is looking good right now. They're pretty comfortable, but things can change quickly, right? So, you know, if you're a U.S. fan, I, you, I will not say don't be nervous. I will not say, every, you know, 
there's zero reason to have questions, I would not, I would not say that at all. Because we, right now, if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you're not convinced that Greg Berhalter is the guy, uh, that you're well within your right to believe all those things and to feel all those things. What I would say is things are are not as crazy or not as bad as maybe they seemed after that game against Panama. That game was bad. No doubt about it. That game was bad. The decisions on the lineup were bad. The performance of so many players were bad, and including some players that people would have expected. I mean, most people, I think, would have wanted Tim Way in the lineup. Most people would have wanted Yunus Musa in the lineup, and neither, they, neither of them had, had a good game. So it's not just the, the favorite punching bags. It's not, it wasn't just uh, Sebastian Legette, who is obviously someone people love to beat up on. It wasn't just Paul Ariola. It was actually some other guys, too, who, you know, I think people were expecting to play well. So there's a lot of a blame the spread to go around, but it should all stop. It should all stop at Brett at Greg Berhalter's feet because he picked that lineup. But I think he has a chance here now to do right by the squad and put the right team out. And we'll see if he does that. And uh, could we see another Sebastian Legette? Uh, Jassy's artist. Could we see some of these guys against Costa Rica? Absolutely. I think you could. And I projected it on SBI. I could see one or two of those players just because Greg Berhalter believes in those guys. He trusts those guys, but they will have a better chance to succeed with better players around them because you're going to see Brendan Aronson. You're going to see Ricardo Pepe. You should hopefully see Weston McKinney and Serginho Dest and Tyler Adams and Miles Robinson. It's going to be a better team. So if he goes with Legette, and or Zardes, I think those guys are going to have a better chance to, to show well than they did against Panama. Although for me personally, I wouldn't start either of them because I would want to see some different people in there. I would give Wea another chance for one. That's that's one I think. I, I Anyone who saw him against Jamaica come off the bench and create chances immediately, you saw what he can do. And I think at home, him starting, he can make things happen. If Tim Wea starts, I'm going to put it right now. I'm going to put it on record right now. If Tim Wea starts... He's going to score a goal. You heard it here first, folks. I think it happens. And in terms of prediction time, I'm going to go with the U.S. I think they're going to get it done. And part of it is because, again, I'm not Costa Rica. They're an older team. They just went and called up Christian Bolaños and Alvaro Saborio, who are, what, 37 and 39? I mean, that's, you know, that's... That's going pretty deep there, pretty deep with Joel Campbell missing out. And obviously that's a big blow for Costa Rica and their attack to not have Joel Campbell. So right there, that's something working in the U.S. team's favor. You can't take it for granted. Costa Rica is going to still be tough. They're going to be a handful. But I believe this U.S. team with Aronson, with Pepe, Adams, Robinson, Dest, McKinney, Anthony Robinson. If you see those guys on the field, I think they get the job done. And I think they look good and have the first full game, the first good full game that we have seen in qualifying and the first good full game we've seen in a good while from this U.S. team. I'm trying to think the last time we'll be with Martinique in the Gold Cup. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've seen a complete, impressive, top to bottom 90 minute performance from the U.S. team. I think this could actually be it. We could see it in Columbus. Now, this is obviously a shorter episode than, than previous episodes of the SBI show. I'm, I'm getting ready to fly to Columbus. I wanted to record this before I headed out, but I also wanted to wait until after uh, Greg Berhalter had his press conference and he spoke to the media on Tuesday and he obviously addressed some different issues. Uh, just, you know, just kind of touching on a couple of things. And 
you know, I'll be heading to Columbus. It's going to be my first uh, World Cup qualifier of the octagonal in person. I've been in studio working with CBS Sports uh, on on their coverage uh, this time around, though. I will be in Columbus. I'll be there uh, covering the Costa Rica match. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting back on the beat, getting back on the ground and uh, seeing what's what. Uh, it's been way too long. I'm trying to think, actually. The last World Cup qualifier that I went to might have been the Trinidad game. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I hadn't even thought of that. Kind of crazy, but here we are. And um, it's a whole new time. It's a whole, whole idea. Wow. I hadn't even actually thought of that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was a long time ago. And it, how about the 10 10? Can the U.S. men's national team never, ever play a game on October 10th again? Think about that. I thought that was one of the crazier stats um, coming out of that loss to Panama. The U.S.'s loss to Panama came on October 10th. The U.S. has lost to Trinidad and Tobago four years ago, October 10th. The U.S.'s CONCACAF Cup lost to Mexico in 2015, October 10th. And one of the years that the U.S. didn't qualify for the Olympics was also on October 10th. I mean, come on. Next year, I don't care what happens, you do not play a game on October 10th if you can help it. Uh, that's pretty crazy. So, But I think that's it. That wraps it up. Uh, again, apologies for the, the shortened episode. But then again, who knows? Maybe you'll like this shortened episode. Won't have time here to talk MLS. We'll get an MLS come come next week. But you know, once the window is officially closed, just because MLS ignores the international window doesn't mean I'm going to ignore the international window. It's all about international soccer right now. And it's all about the U.S. men's national team. And I'm pretty sure that's what everyone wants to hear about and talk about. But that's all for now. We'll be back on Friday, knock on wood, to get into what happened in the Costa Rica match. I think we'll have some good things to talk about and some good performances to talk about. So just think positively, folks. I know there wasn't much positive to come out of that Panama game. There wasn't a lot to hang your hat on in that game. But I think better times are ahead. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see. Some of these lineup decisions are going to be interesting. Like Matt Turner or Zach Steffen, it's a no-brainer, right? You go with Matt Turner, you stick with him because he's been playing so well. But I do think he was considering going with Zach Steffen in this match. But now with everything that's happened, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you pull Matt Turner, given the run that he's on, and given the fact that he was the only really the only player who actually played well in Panama. How do you how do you take him out? And Side note, in case you missed it, uh, make sure you check out the piece that CBS Sports did on Matt Turner. We did a feature on him, and I, I was involved in that process for that, and uh, I think it came out pretty well, pretty proud of it. So if you haven't seen it, make sure you look for it. Uh, I'll see. If I'll, I'll probably tweet it at some point today. I'll retweet it because uh, it, uh, it was on social media. Pretty nice segment to give you a little origin story of Matt Turner and how he kind of rose from obscurity to be the number one, the new number one for the U.S. men's national team. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Kalarsep. Thank you for listening, and be sure to stay tuned. Make sure you're reading SBISoccer.com, and make sure you listen on Friday when we're back with our next episode. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Kalarsep. This is The SBI Show.